Welcome to another episode of Lady Daddy Talks. I am your host, the one and only Lady Daddy, and on this episode, we are going to get wild. I am here with a very special guest that I only just met recently after attending a three-day virtual event, which was Camp Primal 2020. So I would like to introduce Faye, who is the creator and founder of the organization Anomaly of Arkansas. Welcome. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. (laughs) Yes, so thank you so much for joining. So I pretty much, after I stumbled across Camp Primal 2020 and seeing that this was going to be a three-day virtual event, my first question was, how in the hell do you host a virtual primal event? I have got to know all about it (laughs) uh yeah it was it was a daunting challenge to take on but we figured you know there was enough virtual loopholes we could get around and uh we've been we've been online for a while now with anomaly uh using virtual um workspaces through slack and through discord to stay connected with our group throughout the pandemic so When we started planning camp, it seemed really daunting at first, but we were already using Zoom for our meet and greets and for like our staff meetings and stuff. And even before the pandemic. So we decided if we just did a combination of Zoom for the educational events and then Discord for the social events, it was going to work better, especially because Discord's got a little bit more leeway when it comes to not safe for work content. So. Ah, yes. So I've, I've pretty much used uh, Discord as well with the organization that I co-moderate with, because originally we were a very small group only a year ago, and we just used, like, GroupMe. But then mm-hmm. as the group kept getting bigger, I mean, the app just couldn't handle, I mean, over 30 people. And so I can't even remember who introduced me to Discord. I was like, you know what? It might be time to migrate over And so this was, I mean, probably a few months before the pandemic. So I'm really glad that we made that transition because, I mean, now, I mean, damn near everybody in the community uses Discord or something similar. Yeah, it's, I I found it really interesting how many different groups are starting to pick it up. And I always like being able to like hop in and see how other people are doing things. And it's really cool because everyone puts their own spin on everything and, I just, I really like the way that virtual events and virtual communication is happening and and the route it's taking now between groups. Yes, I absolutely love it. Honestly, I think it's been giving everyone a little bit of sanity because, especially when you are a lifestyler, I can can honestly imagine how hard it is to not have a little kink in your life, even if it is virtual. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. But just to kind of get a little bit background about you before really diving into Camp Primal and the organization, I would love for you to describe what your pretty much like how do you identify in the lifestyle and what was your introduction? Oh, this seems to be the hot question lately is how I identify in the lifestyle. And the short answer to that is I identify as exploring and evolving because every time I nail myself down to, oh, I want to identify as this, I find a little piece of something else somewhere else that I want to kind of like 
borrow from and, and piece together myself. And I think part of that goes back to like my eclectic pagan nature, which will come important here in a moment. Um, because I, I identify as a pagan and growing up and, and kind of putting that spirituality together for myself, it was very eclectic. Like I've borrowed things even into the Abrahamic faiths and all, all over the place, just something that feels right to me that kind of builds my own spirituality for me because that's my personal journey. And if I can't identify with it, like I can't really make it work for me. And that that's kind of how I identify in the, in the lifestyle too, because I haven't really found a single title that's like, man, that's me. Unless you want to call me like the tentacle queen, because that is absolutely who I am. <laughs> but <laughs> as far as options on FetLife, when selecting from the drop down bar, exploring evolving is, is the closest thing you're going to find for me. Uh, or a kingster. That that pretty much covers it. Um, I do wish that FetLife would just let us customize our labels because I feel like I feel like for some people, especially if they identify as more than one thing, after a while you just kind of look at the list and it's just like half of this does not describe who the fuck I am now. <laughs> they've they've definitely tried to update it over the years, and they've they've it's definitely grown from where it was even ten years ago. But I agree. Like I like that they've added that new feature in that you can suggest tags they, all they need to do with that now is you know the the identifiers so and i feel like who else might need an update is fucking facebook like yeah. if <laughs> like it's enough that there's even an option for like open relationships but could you imagine half the labels that we have for fet life i feel like maybe facebook could have that nice <laughs> like transition as well yeah that would be nice that would be nice. So I told you all that stuff about me being pagan because it ties into how I got my start in the lifestyle. Now, I've always been kinky. I just didn't know that there was a name for it. And I didn't even know how to start exploring my identity in that. But I stumbled into a my first experience in poly whenever I was living in Chicago in my first attempt at poly, which was a triad. And I had met them by going to my first ever public ritual for Imbolc. And of course, because I've always got to do the thing that everybody tells me not to do, I fell head over heels in love with the guy who led the event. And uh, which it wasn't all bad. He brought in Raven Caldera to do some classes for the local area for the, the local pagans. And one of the classes he was doing was a tantric sex class. And since I was the new girlfriend, I was the one who was like, you know, shuffled into being the sucker to chauffeur this person and his, his partner around. And then I realized who it was because, you know, I owned several of his books. <laughs> so it was, it was actually a really cool experience. But my first venture into finding out that there was like an actual underground BDSM lifestyle and it wasn't all just, you know, fantasy books and porn was I was transporting them to a tantric sex class and I was with my girlfriend and we walked into, it was like a garage underneath a, a lot of walls, like soft and slick. And so I get about halfway into the dungeon and all of a sudden the lights flick on and I see around me like these suspension rigs. I see a confessional with a glory hole. I see sex swings. <laughs> And I'm in the middle of a fucking full-blown dungeon. There's shit hanging on the walls everywhere. It was it was quite the experience. But why Raven and Joshua are such a, a big inspiration to me. Because 
they kind of were there in a really influential point, both whenever I was discovering Polly and like my deeper spirituality, but also BDSM. So that was kind of how I got my start. Raven Caldera has definitely been an influence as I got deeper in my journey as well, just from the few books of his that I've read. And that was another reason why I was so excited to um, attend the virtual panels that you had because I saw how involved he was going to be. And it, I mean, he was just phenomenal. I mean, all honestly, the panelists that you had for each day, I think I only missed the first uh, yeah i've missed the first day of the panels but the other days oh my gosh it was just phenomenal like i i truly thought it was quite diverse inclusive and just i mean i felt like nothing was left out there was just so much coverage we uh we had a team that went through and they picked up a couple of the primal groups on fetlife so some of the things we did whenever we were putting together our our pan uh, I'm sorry our panels were we deliberately went out to a couple of the different groups and well we've been all going and attending different Zoom meetings and stuff and panelists or good educators to reach out to we got some really good suggestions uh, other people that we decided to pick up were like people that I've been following because I've been perving FetLife for about ten years now uh, we just we wanted to make sure exactly what you were saying that we we had a good diverse point of view so that everyone felt like they could see themselves in the panelists because they were going there to to formulate their identities so it it helps you know if you have a little bit more than just two different two or three different dynamics up there yes that's that's exactly how i felt just listening cuz i i know for me I don't really identify as being primal, but I feel like a lot of the previous play partners that I've had, either that was their sole identifier or it was, I mean, just like a slash for them with just, I'm a primal and I'm this and I'm that and I'm et cetera, et cetera. So it was something I wanted to learn more about because I was just like, well, if I keep attracting all these primals, does that say something about me or do we just have this compatibility of a type of play so it gave me a lot of perspective of just things i had never considered and things i don't know that just never really came up in conversation but i would like for you to sort of describe i guess what is camp primal even before it went virtual okay so camp primal is and we designed four events for the year that we were going to do that were going to be kind of convention style. And Camp Primal was going to be our fall event. And it was a hearkening back to an event another group did, BAD, who's a local Arkansas group, uh, that was the End of the Wild event. And um, it, was, it was a Primal event, and we had a great time, all of us. And so we were basically trying to recreate that on a grander scale. Uh, before COVID. <laughs> and so we were going to get a campground and we were going to get like a big house that we could all, uh, yeah, like there was going to be a big house there where we could go and do the classes in the location. And then we were going to have the camping experience. And uh, it was basically just going to be a giant camp event <laughs> where we learned about Primal. And uh, so when we took that virtual, 
obviously we lost a lot of the outdoor dynamic and a lot of the different you know, different things we were going to be able to do with it, like the sub hunt and some of the mess play we were wanting to get into with that, but we were still able to kind of bring it back around as long as we focused on like the education bits and the different social things we could do with the people that would have normally come to that event. And even though it does feel like, I, because I can honestly imagine how it feels like a big loss to lose the more physical connection especially not only just being primal but just I mean as people how much connection we've lost but the fact that you were able to completely revamp that in a virtual setting I mean that's a kudos to you truly I I give a lot of the credit over to my group who was urging me to do these D&D events because had I never got into you know trying to plan tabletop role play games I, I never would have had the the creative foresight to think you know man we could do this virtually we just have to get everybody in the mindset by setting the scene and that's basically what it was it was like a reapplication of those skills into like building an atmosphere and an adventure for everybody to go on and luckily on my team I have several people who are very creative and love doing stuff like that so that's kind of how that translated that makes so much sense so i i have never played DD, but i definitely have a lot of friends that are into D, and mm -hmm. so they've had to do it through discord and i think some of them were doing it beforehand but right. some of them were like just getting into it but that makes so much more fucking sense <laughs> <laughs> right yeah and exactly. i love it even more yeah Maybe one day I'll get into D and D. <laughs> I I recommend playing a good campaign at least once in your life to everyone because if even if you're not really into the fantasy aspects of it, the improv experience is invaluable. I it definitely makes a lot more sense in D and D, and I am I'm. I don't know. I'm a little wishy-washy when it comes to like fantasy storylines. I feel like for D&D, &D, I think I could get into it because I mean, even in general, I am very much into role playing in the bedroom and mm -hmm. even back oh gosh, probably back in my younger years, there was this website called Neopets and I got pretty yes. deep. Yes. I got so deep into role playing in the freaking boardrooms and even like with fan fiction, like there's just some yes. fan fiction I would read. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I would totally want to role play this. <laughs> I am. I am definitely a old pervert from the media minor days. I've, I've done my days in the Yahoo role-playing chat rooms. Yes! <laughs> yes, <laughs> definitely. That's, you nailed it on the head. <laughs> oh, the good old days. Maybe I need to get back into that. <laughs> right? This is what I'm saying. Now transitioning into Camp Primal, having to go virtual, how, I guess, how would you also describe each of the rooms that you had to I'm, I mean, pretty much create just to kind of bring to life this three-day event. Well, it, it kind of almost built itself. What we did was we started with the schedule. Like, what did we want to do with the event? So some of those things were, 
well, we want to have something for the littles because the littles around here never really have anything to do because there's still, there's still a lot of stigma surrounding littles around here. Um, there's also, we were also wanting to do something a little bit more social. So we decided, all right, well, it's, you know, fall, you know, spooky story time. Let's do, let's do campfire stories. So we had that set up and then we had something, we were like, all right, well, if you're at camp, where do you go to eat? You go to the mess hall. And then we, there was, oh, it was the movies. So we wanted to do a movie night. So we set up the amphitheater. So we basically built like a, uh, a imaginary camp in our head. And we were like, so if we're going to do each of these things, we're going to need each of these places for it to go. Now, some of them didn't wind up getting used and we've like made some notes about what worked and what didn't work. And we're going to adjust that going forward. But when it came to the, uh, the classes and stuff, crafty, but one in particular was like, I want to do the map. She was like, this is the thing that I want to do. So, <laughs> so she, she did the map for us. And then it was just a matter of all of the, like the graphic design stuff getting done. Because a, another thing that we've noticed with our group is that people respond more visually. Like I grew up in the days of the forums and the, and the boards and, and role-playing the chat rooms and everything. So I, I, I dig the text-based stuff, but this this new like I don't, I don't even think it's new i think people have always responded visually better so mm -hmm. adding photo shoots that we do specifically for the event kind of adds to the theme um and then just getting people hyped up over the course of over the course of the the months and the weeks leading up to it really played a hand in it too yes the graphics i i absolutely loved the badges oh my <laughs> gosh that got me so excited especially for anyone that's like into camping or if they were like boy scouts and girl scouts like that was so freaking exciting i think i only collected i think i collected two but then as i went back i was like you know what there were more badges i could have collected and I, yeah. <laughs> how did i miss this yeah, I think most of them are still in the uh, the craft hall for anybody who missed their, their badges, too. And when we send out the newsletter, we're going to see if anybody missed their badges and if they need, them to send, <laughs> need us to send them to them. And the, the thing with the badges is pretty funny because, man, I, I'm, I'm usually the one up in the middle of the night like, man, we could add this to it. And everybody else is like, well, you sleep. Just go to bed. And they were like, what are you doing now? Because they saw me, like, adding the badges. And I'm like, just trust me. It's going to be fun. And of course, as soon as it went up, everybody's like, I'm, I'm getting those badges. Those are my badges. So it was, it was fun. Yeah, you definitely sound like me. Like once you get my brain just churning with ideas, mm -hmm. it is almost impossible to turn it off until someone's just like, no more, shut it down. We're moving on. Yeah, that, that impulse is exactly why I've sought out, like, DS Dynamics, because I need that extra external discipline when I get in this mindset. And yes. I'm, I'm that person that's still going to fight you on it, so I'm not very good at DS. But, like, eventually I'm like, okay, you've got a point. I, I, I should go to bed. I'm oh. falling asleep on my laptop. The, yeah, that's pretty much why I am such a switch, was just like, listen, if I... I just have too many scenarios in my head. And of course, I'm not going to quote unquote top from the bottom. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to go find a different play partner to work out this scenario and just live out all the kinky fantasies that I want. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and then funny enough, as I was um, 
So I did miss the first set of panels. I think I only made it just in time for the campfire stories, which it was almost hard for me to go to sleep that night. Oh my gosh. Those stories, those stories got so scary. But I asked- The one with the dog in Oklahoma? No. Yes. And so- as I was attending each of the events or just like things that were going on, cause I, oh my gosh. So I had to like write little notes because I knew I was going to want to bring it up later, but I just mm. remember I was just like, okay, the scary story with the dead dog. Like I wrote that in my notes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was, I'm still not okay after that story. <laughs> I was just like, okay, so maybe there are some places I may not travel to or just not alone and at night. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Oklahoma's actually got a pretty thriving kink scene. But uh, if, if they've got serial killers posing at puppies licking my hand at the end of the bed, I am not interested. <laughs> even if they are my neighbor. <laughs> right. But I just, I loved... I loved the scenery with just, I mean, we're in this voice channel and then mm. just having like the digital fire <laughs> yeah. listening to the spooky stories. It was just, it was so perfect. Like I almost wish I had a cup of hot cocoa and like my blanket just listening to these scary stories. Yeah. Can you tell that most of the people in our group were thespians? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, the, the sound thing comes from my father and from my husband. I, like, they're real big sound geeks, so, like, they always have, like, sound clips and stuff, and they're like, let's just add some ambience. So that was <laughs> that, oh was that coming. It was actually so perfect. I forget mm. which story it was, but then with, like, the freaking creepy clown towards oh, the end. <laughs> I'm so mad about that. <laughs> That's okay. They know that I love them. They just also know that I'm going to get them when I see them next. No, I'm not even scared of clowns, but that was like the perfect moment for some sound effects. I was like, what yeah. the fuck is in my house? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was not expecting that at all. That was definitely there. That was uh, definitely all they're doing, but I loved it and hated yes. it at the same time. <laughs> Yeah, so that was that was definitely a good like first impression on me, which is like, okay, they were getting serious about these campfire stories. <laughs> yeah. And then could you actually cover the first set of panels from that night since I missed it, so I wouldn't be able to really describe like what topics were covered? Uh yeah. Okay. So like the first night was Friday and Basically, all we did on Friday was we opened up everything with sales this weekend, and it had mixed results. Uh, we also had the opening ceremony, which is basically me just throwing metaphors at people and trying not to sound too pretentious. <laughs> <laughs> and then we had uh, Slave Zhao Yi actually came in and taught a class on Am I Primal? Finding the Beast Within. And she actually did a really cool thing where she got everybody up and like was actually moving and dancing and trying to get in touch with their inner primal. And that was actually really awesome to me. Um, I that I miss that. That does sound really nice. She's a great educator. I've actually had the opportunity to sit in on a couple of the, well, I think it was one class before this event uh, that she taught and it was really good. And um, 
so I was really excited for her to come and teach at this one. And then getting to pick her brain for like three out of the four panels we did was really cool. Um, and then after that, we had dinner and a movie. But of course, Netflix conspired against us. Oh, and no. Writing Hood off the, off the list that they had like a couple oh. of days right before the event. So we had to switch, but we did get to watch uh, Underworld 3, The Rise of the Lycans, which, you know, anybody oh, who's nice. seen it, that tower sex scene is worth the entire fucking movie. Fuck so, yes. <laughs> so that was, that was a pretty fun experience. And uh, Nora, Noir, and Wheel did like a dinner and a movie, like that 90s show experience where they kind of had like some banter that they were throwing around between breaks and before and after the movie. And they made a primal packs on the grill so that was that was kind of fun and then that's when we started the campfire stories and the the little craft uh craft night that night on friday yes i thought that was so cute because i mean even you've said it it seems like there's not a lot of events that are really dedicated to littles it's almost Mm -hmm. like it's almost like an afterthought for like some events. And it's kind of the same with even pet players with either you have to dedicate like a whole event for them. But I feel like it would sort of be nice, I don't know, just to kind of dedicate like a little bit of space for like different types of players. Because I mean, a lot of us have multiple like slashes of identifiers. So I thought that was a really nice like added thought with like, you know what, here's a spot for the littles. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was so cute just seeing like all the crafts they got into. I love that because I think um, in one of my other Discord groups, they're like, so is there like a correlation with primals and littles? <laughs> because there seems to be a, there seems to be like a room for littles and I just wasn't sure. I was like, you know, I never really thought about it, but I appreciate they dedicated space for them because, I mean, we can identify as more than one thing. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, there's there's definitely several people who identify as, like, masters and primals, and there's people who identify as submissive and primal. So why wouldn't there be people who identify as a little and a primal or um, a rope person and primal or someone who's mostly fear play and does primal? So that was that was kind of where we were going with that. But also it was a a throwback to the fact that we've always kind of done that with our events because in Arkansas, we we've got a weird dispersity of the population because there's all these mountains and everything. So like there's clusters of people in certain valleys and, you know, a couple people on a mountain over here. And so we've got some littles and then we've got some pets. And like, so whenever we have an event, we always try and make, a little something for littles or a little something for the pets or something whenever we hold an event. So we have like a story hour for the littles or we do like a little pet show or a pet play hour for the the pets that come and want to get out and go and, and engage in that kind of dynamic when they don't normally get to do that. Exactly. That's perfect. And then that also reminded me I think it was the, I want to say it was either the Primal 101 or maybe it was the panel after that, but it reminded me of the discussion, pretty much how it it tends to be like a heated debate for those that like they are S-types and they're primal, but Mm -hmm. yet there is pretty much like the debate on callers. Yeah. Yeah. And I, it just, I... 
I don't want to say like it blew my mind that I wouldn't have known something like that, but it was more of like, holy shit, I never thought of that. Yeah. But it, it made so much sense as that discussion was going on with just like, yeah, like I can be an S type all day long, but as a primal, fuck no, you're not putting that collar on me because it's going to get in the way of the fucking fun I want to have. Hi, my kinky listeners. I hope you're enjoying the season finale of Lady Daddy Talks. I wanted to take this moment to thank my first anchor supporter, Rip, and my experienced junkies of Patreon. Now, there's two ways you can support the kinky fuck shit. Whether you wish to support the podcast through anchor.fm slash ladydaddytalks, or if you're looking for a more enticing way to support the podcast, then I suggest visiting patreon.com slash ladydaddyexperience, where democracy equals debauchery. Now back to the show. Yeah, I thought the one that was really fun that they, they started talking about was uh, Cruella A and Cat or lit- Litigatrix. They can't, they have to keep getting new collars because she keeps yeah. like gnawing through them in their primal play. I'm like, that's just perfect. Yes. Like, that image in and of itself is like the embodiment embodiment of primal in my head right now. So Absolutely. And I think it was along those lines of the discussion that made me realize I want to say maybe it was Raven or if it was someone else. I'd probably have to look back on my notes because I swear there were like certain quotes of things people would say and I'm like, oh I have to write that down. Yes. But <laughs> It was pretty much their realization that they were more primal and not really into packs because I guess like they were comparing it to leather houses and how they didn't really fit in with like the formalities of that type of BDSM Mm -hmm. and realizing that's why they were more primal and more like, um, uh, like a, not lone wolf, but they were more solo. Right. And so when that was discussed, I think that's what made me realize, okay, maybe I'm not either I'm not as primal as I thought, or maybe it's just, I don't know, like, it's just not as like in depth because I mean, I appreciate so much of the formalities of BDSM to where I have contemplated being, you know, a part of like a leather household more than like a primal pack. Right. Right. Uh, like part of me kind of craves the structure of more of the, the protocol based and the power exchange based relationships. But then another part of me who's the asshole teenage rebel- rebellious kid that never like grew out of me is like mm, the primalness must come through at all times. So I don't, I don't know. I really liked how um, Cruella and Litigatrix kind of went into that with their talk on evolutionary dynamics on Sunday about how they they do have some things that are a little bit more structured, but the thing that's a little bit different about their, their dynamic is she's constant, uh, Litigatrix is constantly testing Cruella to see if she's got what it takes this week to to be in, in charge. And um, it kind of forces Cruella to always be stepping up her game. And that, I don't know why, but that dynamic kind of appealed to me. You know what? Now I'm wondering if it was either, if it was either, I think his name was 
uh, Master Rat Daddy. Daddy. It was yeah. either him or if it was, um, I think his name was Packmaster. Packmaster Doug. Doug. Yes, Packmaster Doug. So I think it was one of them that basically made the comment about like the formality of BDSM versus kind of being more like let loose and primal. But it was, gosh, there's this so many phenomenal discussions. I, I'm honestly surprised I was able to keep up with notes. <laughs> right. There were so many great things said and we had so many great panelists. And like, I remember just sitting there and like, how did I, I'm like, what did I do to get so lucky that so many amazing people wanted to get online and shoot the shit about Primal for everyone to learn? And like Obsidian Sunshine had a great energy um man there were just there were just some really great people and they all had some really great things to say honestly i think that's exactly what you did it's the fact that you had this idea to give people space and representation because i mean even in the carolinas where i live mm -hmm. we have we have a primal scene we have a shit ton of primals but it seems to be so hard to get people together and mm -hmm. people always joke about it with just like, as hard as it is to even get like dominance together, it's even <laughs> harder to like herd together some primals together. You get dominance together? Jeez. <laughs> Share your secrets. <laughs> yeah, because I think I only know of like one D-type group. And I think they've only been able to meet a few times. And then even with the primal groups here, I think they've only met a few times before COVID hit, but now it seems like, I mean, they're doing what they can. I feel like when this pandemic is over, they're, they're probably going to be a little more appreciative that they should have had these meetups a lot more. Yeah. Yeah. I've noticed there's a, there's a common trend with the dominance in our area that, and it's not just the dominance, it's, it's several people, but it's definitely kind of why the dominance haven't been able to do much in this area for like meetups. And there's like a guy's group and they've been struggling too. Um, but it's because they've been working so hard. <laughs> How far back did I cut out this time? Um, I'm trying to think there was something you said that reminded me. Well, pretty much I, it's, I think it's because having like, the alpha personality types, mm -hmm. it just tends to be really hard to get, I can't even say tops. It's just the ones that purely identify with being a dominant in some way, shape or form that it's like hard to get them together. Whereas with like S types, they never have any fucking problems getting together and like talking about what they want to talk about. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think part of that might be some of the stigma that comes with uh, being well, I, th I think part of it has to do with like self-confidence. Mm. Um, they might not be as comfortable letting everybody know that they don't have all the answers. So they want to get together and talk to each other. And I know that's definitely not the case in every case because I've got some really good friends in, who are dominants who are the ones who are pushing me to like try and inspire more of this happening. But when it comes to a lot of the people who are participating or participants are just new getting into the scene, they're, they're more hesitant to, to admit that, you know, maybe, maybe we should talk to each other because it's okay that we don't have all the answers. Absolutely. Because even for me as a switch, I mean, I, 
I really have to appreciate both sides and I try to balance it out as much mm -hmm. as I can, but it seems like there's always more platforms and spaces for S types than there is for like tops and dominants. And so I honestly, the only time I've ever really been able to find like dedicated spaces are for femdoms. They seem right. to be the only ones I can get together and nobody clashes. I mean, unless it's just on a more personal level, but not because they're fighting over who's the domliest of doms. <laughs> yeah, it's got a lot to do with, you know, I think, that, that kind of energy. But it's also because of all of the tensions that are going on right now. And everybody is so polarized. So if anybody says anything that's slightly, you know, it's just everybody immediately bristles. And I'm not saying that there's anything wrong with that because maybe that's exactly what needs to be happening right now. But, <laughs> but it, that, I think that that's part of the contributing factor to some of, some of why we're not seeing a lot of that. And some, one of the things that you said that uh, whenever I've, I've been attending a lot more virtual classes because the opportunities are so much more, you know, plentiful right now. Yes. Um, and some of the things that I keep hearing is there, there used to be all of these classes for masters and doms and there never used to be all of these classes for submissives. So it's interesting that there has been this kind of shift that now we're seeing this this kind of like overwhelming availability for submissives, which is not a bad thing, but it's like, okay, so can we bring back some more of those master and dominant groups? Like what what would we have to do to provide some of that? So Yeah, I, I feel like the only groups I have really seen are like the masked kind of groups, which is like yeah. master slave, and that's about it. Those yeah. are the only kind of groups I've ever seen. Now, from what I understand, MAST has opened up to more than just um, Master Slave, as long as there's some sort of a power exchange you can attend. Yes. Uh, exactly. but, but you're right, for the most part, for a lot of people, they just look at the title, or they're just coming in, they don't know these things. I, it, it's just, it's part of that, like, community evolution thing that we're going to have to start, like, teaching and, I, I don't know, words. <laughs> And then just to kind of give the listeners more details, could you actually list uh, the, the panelists that you had throughout the weekend and mm -hmm. just maybe a bit of a descriptor of the kind of topics that they were able to cover? Master Rastaddy did a class on the sadistic art of eight limbs because he is a former title holder, uh, MMA title holder. And he's actually the leather person of 2000 international. I think he's an international leather person of 2019 and 2020. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> oh, I've got the worst memory. Uh, and then Neo Mono and NK came out and did the their 201 capture and restraint class, which was pretty cool. And uh, it's it's for techniques for use in like CNC primal play and stuff like that. Uh, we also had. And all of these people participated on panels at one point or another. One of our own, Samina, did a class on bestial rhythms. She's a belly dancer. So she did a class on primal expression through dance. Uh, she was not on any of the panels, but the rest of everybody who did a class was. Uh, and then also for the panels, we had Obsidian Sunshine. I actually met her through a masked event through Anonymous. It was a slave event. And she was just so fun and had such a great energy. And she was like, yeah, I'll totally come to your primal panels. Like no questions asked. And I was like, okay. I was like, please. And she was, she's just got such a great energy. I love her. I can't say enough good things about her. EMR, Kinhawk, 
She actually leads the Primal Play, the Animal Within group, which is the largest primal group on FetLife. And I was thrilled <laughs> that she came out to do that class. She's also, uh, she works with Frolicon and she's the, I'm pretty sure she's the president of Onyx South Leather. Um, and then there was also, there was Notarum and Tracy Matlock from Texas. And they are really into like mess play and fear play and all the good, yummy degradation, humiliation things that get me off. <laughs> and so like, that was, that was a, a thrill for me. They've got this, she has on her profile picture, her with a ball, ga- ball gag made of human teeth. If that doesn't yes. tell you all you need to know, <laughs> like follow this woman. She's amazing. And so, so is her, her other notarum. He is swarthy and sexy. Oh, it was Slave Minkari and Packmaster Doug, and they are the ones who do the uh, mass chapter out of the greater Phoenix area. So yes. and they, they were really cool too. So yes, definitely some phenomenal panelists. It was just, it was just insane. Just listening to the many ways of just being primal and Ooh, it was it was really a mind blowing weekend, which is holy shit. There is so much I have never considered. So I can only imagine yeah. for all the other attendees and just how much they were taking in and what they were able to get out of that. Yeah. They the first panel we did was the Primal One on One panel. So basically any questions that anyone knew coming into Primal would have, we tried to cover with that panel. And then the second one we did on Saturday uh, so we wanted to do something to kind of honor that and honor the the consent month. So we decided, all right, well let's let's examine what some of the difficulties are with consent and and uh, how to how to circumnavigate those in primal. And so we spent an entire panel just talking about that, and that brought up some really heavy discussion. And uh, then we got into the alpha and basically like how the different dynamics saw things from primal. Uh, and then there was also the how to build a primal scene panel and uh, the alf- the alpha and predator or alpha predator and beta prey panel covered a little bit more of like a, a, a part two, I would say to the 101 panel um, as far as like some basic questions people might have had and how they approach different things from their perspective. It's like some of the things they talked about like were, how do you dominate someone who's bigger than you? And another one was like, how to safely prepare to be prey. And then in the how to build a primal scene panel, it was more like, how do you actually go about these negotiations? How do you prepare for uh, play? Like what kind of gear would you need? And like they, uh, EMR actually got in there and dropped some links about some great places to get some mats and, and pads and stuff for when you get into Primal Play, and that was really cool. And um, Notarum and Tracy Matlock shared some really good uh, tips about how to wrap off, like, no-zone areas on somebody, like, if they've got, like, a bad shoulder or something or, like, a sore ankle. Like, when you get into Primal Space, the the concern is that you're so into it that you don't have enough stopping power. So if you see like a bright pink wrapped ankle, you're like, "Mm, that doesn't look like meat. So you move on to the next parts. (laughs) Those were, those were some pretty cool tips that were shared. 
And I, I mean, actually just but, sharing that. I was just sharing that with someone. Um, so I was just like, oh, I'm actually doing, you know, a podcast interview tonight and we're talking about Primal. And then I think at one point I mentioned like the visual indicators of like the no-no spots. Yeah. And they're like, oh my God, that is a great idea. And they're just making jokes of just like writing no on their butt cheeks and just, <laughs> and just like all the things they would write on their bodies as like a no indicator. It was hilarious. But that was such a great tip for that. Yeah. I also really liked how you could tell that some of the panelists knew each other from Primal Play or other events and the kind of like energy and exchange that happened in like the 101 panel and early on in the consent panel between EMR and Master Wrath, Daddy and Slave Zhao Yi was really, it was really interesting, especially when they started talking about his growls and everybody was like, well, we want to hear the growls. (laughs) It was fun. Hear the growl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I was I was sad because I missed I missed the last day because I had to do my own virtual mm-hmm. event, but it was vanilla, so nothing too special. <laughs> but but I I was really looking forward to aside from just like the primal one oh one, I was really looking forward to, you know, just the more like how to do consensual primal as well as how to even build a scene because I've always just been so curious about that but I'm really happy for people that got that opportunity to learn those things mm-hmm. uh, now a lot of the questions uh, because there were just so many we actually have saved and we sent several out that if people didn't get their questions answered we've just sent them out to the panelists that agreed to do this that they've gone in and they're writing in answers to anything that didn't get answered during the panel. So anyone who attended, we're sending out a newsletter um, with some of the answers to those. And I think there's one of the girls on staff is working up some like extra notes from the panels themselves for anyone who missed one of the panels. So there's not like a complete coverage of everything we covered, but there's like some snapshots of like basic info that will be sent out. So there is that. And honestly, that's how it should be with just like, you get the snapshots, but since you missed out, it's just gonna make you wanna come back and just like experience what you missed out. So, but yeah, it definitely, it definitely got my mind stirring up a bit and just, I think there was actually a question that I did end up asking on the panel trying to think what was my question it it was probably during the primal 101 because I think I had this discussion with some other primals and people that were more curious about about it but I think I ended up asking like if there's a difference with people that are primal and those that I don't know it's more like raw sexual energy because I feel like for some people I don't know. It's like they almost have like primal tendencies, but it's not like an identifier for them. And then for some people, it's, I mean, completely their identity. They're just like, no, I am a hundred percent primal. And I don't know. It just seems like there's different distinctions of just like how primal is We're just like, Oh, it's just more of like raw sexual energy. And for other people, it's like, no, it's a little more animalistic and like raw energy and et cetera. Did they answer your question at the panel? 
I don't, I don't believe so, but honestly, there were so many good questions. I didn't even push for it to be answered, but I think there was like, that's okay. What I can do is I can go ahead and forward that onto that, that newsletter too. Awesome. Cause I think some people in the comments, I think some of them were sort of like misinterpreting the question. So I was just like, nah, I'll just come back to it later. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, so one of the, I guess some insight that I can give on that, even though I'm not, I, I can give insight on this because I'm more of the eclectic person in this scenario. And the, the example that I can give is kind of how I see faith. Now, I think that every, I, I don't think that, hmm. so like the creator of the universe, whatever you identify with him or them or her or however you see them, the center point is like the inside light of a diamond, the, the, the force that actually created the universe, God, what Allah, the force, whatever you want to call it. Mm -hmm. And then through the diamond, it, it shines out and it, it kind of touches all of existence and how it operates. Light that just kind of bursts forth through several facets. Uh, the thing is, is that you can apply that to your, to yourself too. So if you are, um, if you are this inner light and you are kind of bursting forth through these facets, um, you, you are represented through just one facet, like primal, you can see your light through. But if you also identify as a slave and you can see yourself through a slave facet, if you also identify your, yourself as a dominant or a rope master or um, a, a hypnotherapist or like a erotic hypnotherapist or whatever identities you um, identify with, they all make up different facets of what you actually are inside that diamond. And so that's why I personally struggle so much with picking an identity. So as far as is there a difference between being primal or just having like a primal sexual identity, maybe if you're, if you're looking for that, that title, but the only person who gets to judge what your qualifiers are is you, I think. Exactly. <laughs> Um, but if you, if you have this primal sexual energy within you, there's, you know, maybe some, even if you don't identify with the entire primal identity or how everyone sees primal or an individual person sees primal, you can still go in and get something from them and maybe, you know, take something away from that and be like, you know, that really resonated with me. I'm going to try and apply that to my own identity and my own journey. And so I guess that's my 10 cents on that. Absolutely. Because I feel like also for me, I feel like I just haven't had the chance to maybe explore it with other people aside from myself. Because I know like with the primal friends that I talk to, I don't know, it's almost like you like compare and contrast, which is like, oh, I'm not really as primal as them. So maybe I'm just not. But then when you find, I don't know, certain people that just bring it out, and so it wasn't until recently that I, I met someone for like a brief time that I was just like, I do not recognize this side of myself, but it felt very primal. And I was just like, holy shit, what is happening? And like trying to, I don't know, like negotiate how I was feeling and like describing it verbally was almost impossible. And I was just like, yeah. is this what it is? Like... <laughs> I really enjoyed watching so many people who are so primal and so well known for being primal 
still struggled to put words to primal on some occasions and, and actually talking about uh, going nonverbal whenever you are in that primal headspace. Um, that's, that's something that I, I actually thought was pretty interesting about this weekend. Yes, that's what I absolutely loved. It was just the representation and um, someone pretty much speaking on, you know, like at least 10 to 15 years ago, there really wasn't much terminology of what any of this was. So it's only been within the past few years that there are finally names and terms for any of this. So that's, that's what was so unique and wonderful about that weekend. So there's actually a portion of my show where I like to ask a shit show story of just something that has gone completely wrong during an event that you have organized. (laughs) So I would absolutely love, even if it's not like the most horrendous story, but just Mm. something that has gone to complete shit, just went wrong, just... Just completely not expected at an event that you've organized. Okay. Um, so I think the one that I can safely share <laughs> with, uh, with our rock of the boat, much as any other community, especially when you're becoming established, it, it kind of ripples. Getting Cirque off the ground, which was our, our first event earlier this year, was a struggle. Uh, <laughs> but... We, I mean, we worked on that day, that event, day and night for months, months, like starting December 26th, we were like, we're doing this. And so like, it was going to be in March. And we just, we spent back to back days for months trying to pull this thing off and, and organizing everything we would need, dropping, I don't even want to talk about the amount of money on, on flying people in for it. It was, it was going to be great, but uh, we lost our venue Oh, in the middle of it no. due to some unfortunate and, and heart-wrenching circumstances uh but despite all that we still were planning on hosting it we found another venue and we uh we downsized we adjusted we kept going and then about a week out COVID exploded on our shores <laughs> and we decided it was time to just you know just to call it and it was it was pretty devastating uh, we were going to try again for curve which is our summer event for like pride month uh, at our original venue for Cirque because it was available again, but you know, right around that, it kind of became evident that, you know, within days basically of all of this happening, that that wasn't going to be on the cards either. So we kind of just like hunkered down and uh, and started preparing for camp, and then that's where we are now. Any any other major shit stories? I don't <laughs> I don't know why it would it would do anybody any favors to share them. Yeah, this is, and this is why I'd love to ask this question, especially because when I interview like event hosts and curators, I usually like for the listeners to realize not every event is going to be picture perfect and spectacular. Mm -hmm. Sometimes shit just goes wrong. Oh God, yeah. And no matter how much we try to prevent it, it it just fucking happens and we just have to roll with the punches. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's that's basically what you're doing the entire time you're you're hosting an event is you are literally the improv manager. <laughs> so 
If something needs to be adjusted, you adjust it. If something goes wrong over here, you fix it or you cover it up so nobody notices it for a minute until you can get to it and then fix it. And then, yeah, I, I absolutely agree. There's, there's just so many things that can go wrong and so many things that have gone wrong. But I also think that some of those things can be some of the most fun stories, yes. but a lot of them are also not so fun. So... Absolutely. I'm sure you know how it goes. Oh, yeah. Oh, gosh. (laughs) It it definitely gives me whiplashes thinking about it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I guess another question I would ask, if you even have an answer, is what would you say were your top highlights of Camp Primal? Just like what were, I don't know, like some of your favorite moments. Okay, so this is going to sound really dumb and fangirly, but the moments when Joshua Tenpenny turned on Raven's camera and started setting it up, like my heart just exploded with joy because like it had been so long since I had seen them and I had been like discussing these events with Raven for the past several months. And, and uh, I was just, I was hoping so much to finally be able to see them. And I was, and then my husband's like, Oh, look, it's Raven. He's setting up his camera. And I'm like, no, honey, that's Joshua, but that's still okay. And that was, that brought me a lot of joy. Um, The entire weekend was really the highlight for me Uh, there. It was, it's hard to pinpoint some exact moments other than like weird, arbitrary shit like that. Uh, that like anything was more valuable to me like knowledge wise or anything like that but like silly little things like that hearing Raven talk about his octopus totem um, hearing Obsidian Sunshine say you know it's not fun unless I break a rib <laughs> like that was that was just perfect or hearing Notarum talk about blood play um, it was I think some of the highlights the best highlights for me even with all of the education was still some of the fun little social stuff that went on just after the big classes and stuff kind of rolled out and ended like the campfire stories that was so much fun um and just just little things like that i think were were kind of my highlights and then i guess aside from your own highlights have there been any highlights from the attendees even if they were more critical or just raving reviews what are some that you have heard from the attendees that really stood out to you, good or bad? Um, we haven't, the, the most like people have complained about has been my connection issue, which you have obviously seen tonight. It's a problem. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one that we're working on. And the other thing was my husband was sitting right next to me and like, he's got a couple of monitors set up and I have my laptop set up. And like, so we were operating off of like eight screens and like three or four devices during this entire thing. So like we would forget to hit the mute button on one. So there was this horrible reverb that like came crashing across the audio. That was, that was pretty horrible. Uh, there was some hiccups during Master Wrath Daddy's uh, class with the presentation. Whenever I would move the slides for whatever reason on the screen, everyone else could see the slides went one way when I was going the other way. Uh, there, so there was a couple of issues with that that people pointed out. Um, I got, there, there weren't really a whole lot of complaints. And the part of the reason why we're waiting until mid to late October 
to uh, send out the newsletter is in my experience with events, people are still riding that high unless something really horrible has happened um, for, from the event for the first couple of weeks afterwards. And then like about a month out, some of the honest feedback starts kind of like resurfacing in their mind. So that's, that's also why we're waiting to send out the newsletter until then to kind of wait to get some, some better feedback then. Uh, but the feedback that we got back from some of the panelists were like, you know, uh, make sure that you're having the person who's hosting have the highest connection speed because of my connection issues. Oh, bad me. <laughs> um, some of the other things were like, you know, if you're going to do one of these events, um, having uh, some uh, like setup time uh, to have all of the panelists run like mic checks and, and cam checks would be good. And like, I was kicking myself because my husband thought to do that with the, the vendors. And I didn't think to make time for that with the panelists. And I, it was just a stupid move on my part. Um, some of the other stuff was, you know, schedule breaks for your panelists. <laughs> uh, so for, for those of you who were there on Saturday, when I was planning Cirque, we had everything planned down to like pee breaks, to like breathing breaks so that everybody had enough time and during the entire day. And so we had to go back and like um, kind of make some emergency adjustments to some of our panels. Uh, another thing was these are these were some of the first panels we'd ever done. So we had three hour panels and I was not thinking at all <laughs> whenever I'm like, yeah, this will be fine. This will be great. Uh, don't do that. 60 to 90 minutes is, is ideal for panels, if you didn't know. Um, I'm sharing that information with you, learn from my mistakes. <laughs> uh, man, oh, and we had 12 people on one panel at one point, like, and several of them were, were couples and it went pretty smoothly for having 12 people, but there were 12 people on a panel at one point, And I don't think I thought that one through very well either. I thought it was gonna be great. We're gonna have so many people offering so many different opinions and that, that part was great, but some of the questions took a while to get through. <laughs> so in, in retrospect, I would definitely change that. So there, those, those are some of the things that have been pointed out from our staff, from some of the panelists and from the attendees who, who attended. and little adjustments we have already made to the frost schedule and and other future events and you know what that is all that matters is at least you were able to see more of constructive criticism instead of just complete hateration and just oh my gosh this is fucking ridiculous i can't <laughs> believe it was just constructive with just like hey you know this was wonderful but maybe just some small changes here and there. And then even on your own end, because of course we're going to be the most critical of our fucking right. selves <laughs> more right. than anyone else criticizing us. But it, I think overall people were just grateful to just have this time and they were just going to suck it up. Like, you know what? I'm still having a great time. And if everyone else is just here hanging out for three hours, fuck it. Because most people are staying home anyway. We had some really great and really patient attendees for this event. And that is something I am very, very grateful. It was really nice. And I really liked the, the people who attended because any, any feedback they did give was constructive. And that was, that's always helpful. Absolutely. And so usually the last question that I like to ask is, 
like what general advice you would give to listeners. And it's usually in the matter of if you would give general advice for listeners that maybe they want to start their own events or just listeners that, I don't know, need help with like what to expect when attending events. And so since we're mainly talking about more of primal events, what general advice would you give? Um, first of all, don't be afraid of looking like an idiot uh, <laughs> or a fool. You're not going to learn anything unless you can accept that you're wrong sometimes. So, and I think that kind of applies to any event or any getting involved in anything with BDSM or leading for that matter, especially in leading. If you go into this thinking that you've got all of the answers or that you can't make any mistakes, you're going to have a bad time. Um, if you know, and if you're afraid that you're going to do something wrong, don't worry. People are going to let you know. They love doing that. So just go ahead and do whatever it is that you're wanting to do. Just do the thing. Uh, there's a quote by Brian Froud that I like to share. Uh, and it's, fools rush in where angels fear to tread. But that's not necessarily a bad thing because sometimes fools accomplish things that angels thought were impo was impossible. Mm -hmm. And... Um, it, Brian Froud is an artist and he did the fairy oracle deck and it's one that I use personally and that's a quote off of the card uh, Oh That Gnome and it's a reversed quote so um, it's it's one that actually came up in a reading that I did for camp and it was it, it's been something that's kind of stuck with us throughout it so I would definitely advise everybody if you're wanting to get in, involved get involved don't get in your head. I have the worst social anxiety. <laughs> so like, don't, don't think that that's gonna, I mean, it might make it a little more difficult for you to adjust at first. It was for me, uh, but don't let it hold you back. Because if you just kind of take that step, you will start that journey and you'll start getting polished and you'll be able to do the things that you're fantasizing about and wanting to do. Uh, number two is communication. Number one, in, in, in the number two is listen to the people around you. You don't have to agree with them. You just need to understand what and why they feel that way and understand that it's valid for them to feel that way. Yes. Um, and on the flip side of that, talk about the hard conversations. We're all fucking big kids here. It's no longer polite to just ignore the boogeyman in the room. Talk about him. Examine him. Discover his limitations. Silence gives him power. So sit down and have those conversations. Um, the third thing I would tell people is if you see something that needs to be done, do it. It kind of ties back into the number one. Um, if you're afraid to ask for permission first, make a draft of what your plan is and then present it and then do it. And if people are repeatedly taking credit for your ideas, you're obviously doing something right. So either tell them to put you on staff or start giving you credit or go strike it on your own. Um, another thing is self-reflection, uh, self-accountability, self self-awareness. If you're going to take up the role of examining and calling out the faults in others, you need to know your own faults first. And a lot of times when people get started leading, uh, they do it because they're trying to fill a hole that they've noticed somewhere else. So if you're going to be the person that's like, well, this, this, and this needs to be done. Okay, that, that's great. We need people who do that. But you also have to be willing to turn that back on yourself as well. So you need to be willing to examine yourself before you ever pick up that megaphone. You aren't the creator of the universe. You aren't, no one elected you judge, jury, or executioner. You're just a pissant human like the rest of us, scurrying across the world, infested with other pissant humans. We're brothers and sisters and siblings alike. We can help each other out. We can nudge each other now and then, but no one's better than anyone else. If you recognize a fault in someone, 
probably because you saw it in yourself first in some way. So figure that out. That's part of growth. Um, another thing is people gain courage to do things that they're afraid to do when they see others do them first. Someone joined my group just because I post nudes on FetLife and I'm not a small octopus. I have lots of curves and extra cuddly bits. I'm hardly a traditional beauty, uh, but I have a body type that a lot of folks around here have. And seeing me be vulnerable and starting my body positivity journey gave others around me the strength to do the same. That translates into being primal. So if, you're, if there's not a lot of primals around you, just start looking around and being primal. And you'll find that a lot of people are gonna come out of the woodworks and explore that with you. Maybe not with you, but like along the same, they'll, they'll start exploring their own primal paths. And then eventually like communities will come together from that. It's, it's at least in my experience. Um, if you're wanting to get involved and you're, you see that a lot of people are not having a lot of courage as far as like speaking up about consent issues or racism, sexism, be the one to have the courage to speak because as soon as you do, other people will too. Um, if you see generalized bigotry towards trans or LGBTQIA individuals, speak. You're going to get blowback. Expect that and prepare for that. But you also need to remember the first five things I talked about. If you're not willing to look at yourself first or listen to someone else, it becomes very difficult to effectively do what needs to be done. It becomes impossible to have hard conversations because often the solution is a collaboration between both sides of that argument. Even if you think you're the one in the right, you need to go and do some research because knowledge and science is power and all that. Love and kindness and compassion is power. But anger and hatred, ignorance, defensive impulses, those are all representations of all of our greatest weaknesses. So try and avoid that. And I think that's pretty much all I got to say on that. <laughs> You have hit multiple nails on the fucking head with that question. Thank you. That was the most phenomenal set of general advice I have ever received on this fucking podcast. Well, um, you're welcome. <laughs> and thank you. <laughs> my gosh, that was just, that was fucking beautiful. Oh my gosh, and it didn't cut out. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. I was worried a couple times that I'd lost you. <laughs> oh, it's like it's like the universe knew that you were going to grace us with such beautiful advice. Well, I, I hope that some people hear it that need to and, and take it to heart. Um, Absolutely. And I mean, it's, it's not advice that any of us are immune to. It's advice that I have to tell myself some days because I get out of control or upset at the state of things or just, you just you know, you got to maintain center. Truly. So thank you so much, Faye, for being on Lady Daddy Talks. This has been such a wonderful conversation to have with you. Well, thank you for tolerating my, my connection issues and my <laughs> tentacle babble and all the things. Thank you for having me. Of course. And so I guess on a final note, where can people find you on social media or your events and then i will also make sure to add the links in the description so if you're wanting to get in touch with us fetlife is usually the best way to initially make that connection and our page for most people is anomaly underscore arkansas if you're local to the northwest arkansas area we also have an anomaly nwa page but 
the anomaly underscore Arkansas is, is available to everybody. Um, our group on FetLife is anomaly of Arkansas. We have an Instagram and a Twitter that the staff girls have, have started. It's anomaly kink. And then we have a website too. It's, they just started putting it together. So it's a little Wix site. Um, but the website's getting updated it, right now. It just has the camp stuff. So that won't have our events for frost, which is our winter event, which is going to be December 4th through the 6th. And it doesn't have anything about circ or curve either. Um, but it will eventually, it just, it has not been updated yet to that point. So easiest way to get in touch with this is on FetLife. But if you want to follow us on Instagram or on Twitter, they've got that up for anomaly kink and they're, they're gearing up their plans for how to do that. Perfect. Thank you so much for sharing that. Of course. Thank you so much for having me up here and letting me do my uh, shameless plugs and all that stuff. Absolutely. And thank you, my fellow listeners, for tuning in while Lady Daddy talks. <laughs>